Alright, welcome everybody to Clone Wars Commentary. My name is Cheyenne, as usual, um, but this week my special guest is Danny. Say hi, Danny. Hello. Thank you for being here and joining me on this adventure of Clone Wars. Of course. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, anytime. Um, we're actually doing Season 7, so I know we're still hopping back and forth between Season 2 and Season 7 so that we stay up to date. Um, but I wanted to go ahead and talk about this one. I'm sure we have one more episode left of this arc as a whole. Um, that's my personal assumption. I haven't read anything that says yes or no to that. But since we had the first four as an arc, I'm assuming maybe we have the next four. Um, could be longer than that. But they did also kind of leave us on a cliffhanger. But this week, we are talking about Season 7, Episodes 5, 6, and 7. Um, because they are Ahsoka's beginning arc in Clone Wars Saved section. So I'm really excited about it. Danny, do you have overall thoughts on those three episodes that you want to mention? Um, I have enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that I really wasn't excited about them until episode seven, mm-hmm. um, only because of, I'm sure, things that we're probably going to get into. Um, and then there was, I think, something in episode six that um, I wanted to make sure I, I mentioned, but we'll get into that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, that, that made me excited and, and made Kristen sob. So. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Good to know that she had emotions about it, because I'll be honest, I didn't. Um, my overall thoughts on this little arc so far is that it's not good or bad to me. It's, it's nice that we get it. Um, and it's nice to see... Um, Ahsoka doing these things, but I feel like, yeah, yeah, I feel like it's, it's very reflective of what we used to get in the beginning of Clone Wars, where it's just like a side adventure, and not that that's a bad thing, but I think I just like have so much invested in what her story is at this point, that I'm just like being impatient. So. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. I, I agree with that, because, and I saw a lot of conversation, um, on social media about how they were expecting pretty much season seven to be like all action like mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden we have this slow moment where it's storytelling it's set in the yeah. stage and everybody's thinking that like she leaves the order and it's just skyrockets from mm-hmm. there and it's like yeah game on really. no yeah because i mean in all honesty you look at it especially how it's going i mean this is typical i mean She's in the real world now. She's got to find a job. She doesn't know how to make money. And where is she going to live? What is she yeah. going to do? So it's not exactly the most exciting part about adult life. Mm-mm. Yeah. Well, and I think that's it's probably the the one thing that does keep me interested in the arc is that I'm rereading Ahsoka. So, like, I'm reading it on the live, on the Kessel Run Weekly page every night, um, just like a chapter. But every time that I read it, I'm, like, putting myself in the Clone Wars mindset and also in the Ahsoka novel mindset. And I'm like, this is insane from what we're seeing current, like what we assume is what we're seeing. Like, Oh, this is what's happening right now in front of us on Clone Wars. And then it's like, Oh, but like, if you didn't read this book, you're not going to know where a lot of this leads to, you know? And like what the gap is that's left in Clone Wars. I think that's what I'm so impatient about. (laughs) I want that gap filled. Right. Well, and even how the Ahsoka book starts, I mean, not terribly spoiling or anything, but even how it starts, it starts a little slow. Yeah. Because um, you've still got yeah. Ahsoka on the run. And yeah. I mean, so I take that back. It's not necessarily that it starts slower, though. I think it's the, the 
free whatever. The uh, little like prologue area is like yeah, the that, siege. That's action. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, actually getting into Ahsoka's story afterwards and everything, it all of a sudden is just kind of like, yeah, still trying to figure this thing out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think yep. that's what's helping too with my patience of the arc. Because, and I think what, the reason that I even recognized that I was being impatient or, like, less enthusiastic about this arc is because I forgot to watch it. I utterly forgot on a Friday. And also, it could probably be quarantine. Quarantine is probably making me forget what day of the week it is. Not surprised. I was going to say, what day is it again? (laughs) Yeah, literally, I forget what day of the week it is all the time. Um, (laughs) So it could definitely be that. But I just completely right over my head, you know? Um... So let's just jump right in with episode five, because I don't have a ton of interest on that one. Um, But it is where we meet Trace um, with Ahsoka. So I just like to do um, like little character spots about it. So Trace is going to be that character for this specific episode, but also this arc. Um, She, the way StarWars.com's databank describes her, is a no-nonsense mechanic and aspiring pilot on level 1313 of the Coruscant Underworld. Trace Martez dreams of a life among the stars. With the ship she's repairing, she and her sister Rafa will make a living far from the reach of the Jedi and the Clone Wars if she has her way. Before 6 and 7, I wouldn't have even known what they were talking about. (laughs) Um, And I would have just been like, okay, cool. Like, why? (laughs) You know? Um, We do learn that eventually. But in 5, it's mostly like mini adventure. Here's what happened to Ahsoka after she left. Here's where she's at. Um, do you know, when I read that, it just kind of hit me. Do you know if, like, the, because numbers always have some sort of meaning in something. Does level 13, 13 mean anything? All right, what's it mean? (laughs) Bring it on, Danny. Uh, Star Wars 13, 13 was a abandoned, uh, video game project. Um, that was supposed to come out before the merger, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, it was when, uh, I think it was LucasArts or something like that, when they were still doing that for gaming before, Mm -hmm. I think. I'm pretty sure it was before the Disney acquisition. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but it had a uh, concept art of, like, uh, an old exiled o- o- Obi-Wan uh, mall. Uh, I think, I'm not 100%, I think Bubba was in there somewhere. But basically it was supposed to be, like, a whole, like, underground thing. Mm-hmm. Now that you sure. say that, it, it yeah. is registering with me. Like a whole criminal underworld, underground kind of thing. And then on top of that, too, I, I think that um, there was a small trailer. I'm not 100% sure. It's like a preview game. It's been a really long time Mm -hmm. since I've really looked into 1313, but essentially the whole premise behind it was that you're you're not the typical Jedi or anything like that. You're navigating the criminal underworld of Coruscant. Yeah. And when they said 1313, I lost my mind. I was like, wait. So it's awesome. what I, I've said on past shows and everything, just that, that one moment from uh, Ahsoka and Rebels, that, so that there's always a little truth in the legends. So yeah, love that. I love that. Back the same way that you're used to. Mm-hmm. At the same time, they're making an effort to be like, hey, this exists. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just, oh yeah, I love that. I knew there had to be meaning behind that. <laughs> Things don't always stick at the front of my memory, but I always know that there's something yeah. there. <laughs> So that's really it for five. Um, they do like, like I said, mini adventure, um, fun yeah. little things like thirteen, thirteen. Um, but then season or season seven, episode six, we have deal no deal. 
Um, and the quote in the front of that episode is, mistakes are valuable lessons often learned too late. Um, Danny, I like to discuss what that means in the Star Wars universe and then what that means in the real world. Um, so when you hear mistakes are valuable lessons often learned too late, how would you relate that to things that we've seen in Star Wars? Uh, I mean, that's a lot of the Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, as far as, in all honesty, I kind of feel like that's almost Han's mantra, <laughs> if anything. Um, yeah, that's because fair. Because he's, he's a act-not-think kind of person. Mm-hmm. And fly by the seat of your pants, make it up as you go kind of guy. Yeah. And in all honesty, how he deals with a lot of things, it, it, it's once you've made the mistake it's already too late so might as well own it and see what you can make out of it yeah and uh i feel like that's something that a lot of uh the characters in star wars anakin's another example of that too where it's like things go sideways big big time sweet this is where i shine Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) yeah yeah honestly when i read it and now that we're like now that i'm speaking it into existence when i read it now i'm even thinking of like this is something that yoda would say like and it because it relates to the quote of like failure the greatest teacher is mm-hmm. so i think it's just another way for them to have said that like we're never going to learn from it unless we fail um right. and it's going to teach us all these valuable lessons but it's after we've failed you know mm-hmm. so that's oh yeah okay and then this for me the reason that i bring the world real world stuff into this is because i feel like with clone wars it's so often thought of as just like a kid's cartoon. And while we as big Star Wars fans know that there's a lot more going on inside of it and a lot more means some stuff to us, just in general to like connect the fans and myself with it a little bit more, especially for arcs that like don't really affect me like this one. Um, I like to think of like how I could take this into the real world. So when I read Mistakes Are Valuable Lessons Often Learn Too Late, I try to take it into the real world of... I am always so over-prepared for things, or I like to think that I'm over-prepared for things, and and then I still mess up, or I try to prevent myself so much from messing up because I'm going to have my own inner consequences. It's not that going to be that I disappointed somebody else or that I didn't do it right the first time for somebody. It's going to be I didn't do it right the first time and I am a failure because of it, you know? And so I think, like, reading this quote, it's like, okay, the mistake was learned too late because I already made it, but how can I recover from it? So, like, that's kind of what I take away from it when I think of it in the real world. Do you have a specific situation? Do you agree, disagree? What's up? No, I definitely agree. Um, I, I'm, the, I'm the other side of it, though. It's something mm-hmm. that ever since uh, Kristen and I started dating, it, that she's not necessarily hated about my family, but it, it stresses her out is mm-hmm. that we never plan ahead ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on anything. I mean, like, even a vacation. Well. We'll basically have, like, a skeleton of something, mm-hmm. and it won't go that way. But at least <laughs> we have a guide. Yeah. <laughs> it's essentially how we work. And the same thing with, like, birthday parties or any kind of anything that we get together. It's literally, we think about it a few days in advance. This is what's going to happen. Let it happen and roll with the punches. Mm-hmm. That's just how we've always been. And so with the, the mistakes, I mean, I feel like it's kind of been my life. It, it, <laughs> yeah. In a way, it, it makes it to where it's easier to roll with them when it happens. That's um, fair. And to make something out of them, in all honesty. Because, I mean, a mistake can be a mistake, sure. 
you either own up to it or you make something of it. And it's all in how you deal with it and how you respond to that. And the things that, because one thing that my my mom always told me growing up is that you you can't control how the world or anybody else responds. You can control how you respond. Yeah. And so if you're having a bad day, you can choose to not have a bad day. You can try to turn that around yourself. And it's all about rolling with it. Uh, yeah, stuff stuff's gonna happen. It's all in how you choose to respond to it. So that's nice. I do love that. Um, so now that we've gotten real, real with everybody, <laughs> um, I want to talk about Trace's ship's name because I kept being you know, like angel. a. <laughs> it kept being such a like quip in the episode. The Silver Angel. I don't know why they kept kind of picking at her about it but at the same time I get it because like I hate it (laughs) why did she choose that name and it doesn't tell me on starwars.com well I couldn't figure it out either because the whole time I was sitting here thinking I was like that's an interesting name but like the only thing that I could really akin it to was Anakin the the whole same me too that's all I could think of yeah Uh, and I'm always well go ahead to me, it kind of made sense to her character because she's she's young. She's so she, young. She's been sheltered from a lot of the life that her sister, her older sister, has been trying to shelter her from. Yeah. And so it's it's almost like somebody gets their first dog and named it Sparky or something like <laughs> yeah. that. And everybody's like, "Why such a simple name?" And yeah. I wanted it to be that. Yeah, she's that's, like, that's "What? What I got from it? What kind of names do ships even have?" <laughs> Like, right. it's like where do like, you start with that like yeah. you're sitting here laughing what's your what's your suggestion yeah <laughs> so we start with like trace they're just kind of back at it being mechanics chilling and then this is this is what gets me about these episodes this is why i'm still i don't want to say that i dislike them because i do like these little things when she says skywalker academy <sighs> i lost my mind I started to cry because she said two words, and I was like, oh, my God. I'm crying right now. I love I love that so much because, and even in, in the last episode yeah. uh, before that, she, she was like, where did you learn how to fight like that? She's my like, brother. brother. Oh. Yeah, so she takes a lot of Anakin, and it, I like it only because it, you can see that she's not disowning where she came from. Yeah. That she's not broadcasting it. No. Which, in all fairness, Which we is find fair. out is a good idea. Yeah, yeah, really, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I really, I really like that she keeps kind of doing those things. Yeah, kind of like putting those little things out, like, oh, what academy? She goes, well, Skywalker Academy. It's God, because like, she doesn't, she doesn't hint to the Jedi or anything. She doesn't accredit it to anyone else. Yeah, it's Anakin. Yeah, because the training that she got from Anakin, she couldn't have got. From so. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, just like Anakin Jeez. said in the Clone movie, uh, you may not have made it as Obi Wan's Padawan, but you'll make it as mine. Yeah. So. God. Oh, so emotional. Why does Star Wars do this to me? <laughs> um, yeah. So we get we get emotional really quick, and then um, Rafa Rafa comes into the scene, and we met her in five, right? <laughs> um, yes. Briefly in five, and established that her and Ahsoka don't really like each other. I don't like Rafa. I don't like Rafa either. I don't really like Trace, but that's another... I don't like them for different reasons, obviously. In this one, I 
manipulation in Star Wars is very present in multiple places from anywhere from like very, very minor manipulation. If you consider like from a certain point of view, a manipulation or um, even Yoda, sometimes the things that he says can manipulate your mind, not in like a negative way, but he just like says something and you're like, oh, God, what? You know, and then yeah, yeah. And then just like also. I mean, the Sith, Sith, oh, God, that's just, that's their mantra, you know? Um, but Rafa is so manipulative of her sister, and it makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> just yeah. like, can you stop treating your sister like that? There's like a fine line between, not even a fine line, probably a relatively thick line <laughs> between manipulating your sister into being safe and thinking that she's safe versus actually keeping her safe, you know? And it's just like, don't come in here and play with my feelings about how you went and got a different pilot and then you want to come in here and have me be your pilot because they ran out on you. And also, because that's not keeping me safe, you know? Like, it's just this whole, there's so much. <laughs> um, and then she at this point is also she also talks to Ahsoka and says like what's your angle everyone has an angle and I I wish you could have seen my brain circuitry just like all the synapses were spiking because I was like only people that always have an angle will suspect that other people have an angle exactly and I exploded internally um yeah imploded would be the correct word <laughs> Well, even after the last episode, I still don't trust what she has to say. No. Or anything like that. Because that's the thing is you, I mean, not spoiling it ahead of time, but I mean, like, you get a little, little story or whatever. And and e even after hearing it, it was like, I felt more bad for Trace than yeah. I did her. Like, I, yeah. I was still like, uh, you're still a snake. Thanks, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're definitely. Using it as an excuse. It's not, it's not legitimate. Yeah. Because, like, Trace is taking, like, her mom. And, like, how her mom was as a human to be a better human. And Rafa is taking it and being, like, she she didn't succeed that way, so I'm going to do the opposite. You know? Like, just just not it. It's not it. Uh -huh. I want to know what happens to her after this. Um, they This is all before they even leave the planet. <laughs> uh, so much. Yeah, so much. so much is happening before they leave the planet. Um... And all of this is making me appreciate the episodes more because at least there is a lot in it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so they're, like, flying away. Trace's first time flying. I don't want to say first time, but, like, first time flying a job. Um, her ship is finally built, which is why I assume maybe first time flying a big real ship, you know? Um, and then they get into a military lane. Ahsoka almost loses her cool. <laughs> and then Yularen comes over the comms and is ready to arrest them. Yep. And I was, for me, I was laughing so hard because I was like, oh my God, oh my God, get out, get out of there. And then, because I was like, so, this is where the action starts. Like, they're going to find Ahsoka there and everything's going to break loose, you know. But I got mad <laughs> at you, Lauren, because I was like, this is big empire energy. Why is he getting so oh, yeah. defensive? So then I got upset. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I gotta like just move on from this. 
how did you feel in that moment? Did it do anything to you? Was it just like, okay, this happened? I, I loved all of that, even the Anakin sensing her and everything. Um, that was the part that Kristen balled at. Was because yeah. he, Anakin had a moment, he was like, do you want me to send a detachment? He's like, no. Let him go. You're it's good. fine. Yeah. And everything, which, I don't know if you saw the comparison posts that were going around when that episode came out. No. Uh, that a lot of people were doing. Um, that's almost shot for shot. Return of the Jedi, <gasps> when uh, Luke is on the ship and he says, I'm jeopardizing the mission. You remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And then, he, yeah, Darth Vader oh. feels Luke, and they're like, do you want me to send an attachment to, to apprehend them? And he's like, leave them to me. Oh! Yeah. Same, like, literally, it's if you look at it, it's crazy. It's almost shot for shot. That's amazing. Like, the same people standing at the console, Anakin's still standing where he was. Different. Uh, different, but the same. It yeah. Is, it's awesome. Like, it gives me chills thinking about <sighs> it. But, yeah. So. That's so cool. <laughs> yep. God. Okay, well, this is... How many times have I cried and we just started? <laughs> oh, not right. <laughs> <laughs> um, less crying coming up. Uh... <laughs> Um, I was gonna say, I don't think there are any other moments. Yeah, not, I don't think even in the next one after this. So, hopefully not. Um, they go to Kessel, and I was really expecting them to just fly right into what we've seen already in Solo, um, which we do eventually see in this episode, but first we see a palace, and I was kind of, like, taken aback. I was like, I didn't even think about people living in different areas, especially, like, the non-mining areas, you know? Like, I just thought it was a whole mining planet, and eventually it would just dissipate, <laughs> because that's what happens I mean, when you mine things. Yeah. Well, and I felt the same way. Even Kristen, when uh, we were watching it, and she was like, wait, that's not, is that Kessel? Like, <laughs> and, and I thought it was interesting, because I never, con I personally never considered that the, the fact that whoever is actually running the mine would not stay in the mines. Because if you think about That's it, they true. largely use slave labor. Yeah. Um, it's slave labor or indentured servitude, whatever you want to call it. And it's basically, it shows kind of the class system of Kessel, where you have yeah. the rich that stay high and above in their towers and their castles and their palaces. And then you have the slaves in the mines, dying, sweating, working, and, and all this other kind of stuff for largely a drug operation <laughs> right yeah yeah um, basically i thought it was interesting though because it's not a perspective that i ever considered about kessel mm -mm, um, me neither. so it kind of gave a little bit more uh depth to it i i, yeah. I was excited for a second because i thought we were going to see them try to run the kessel run but i know I was like, oh, oh, that well. was funny <laughs> well and it's funny to think about that to think of that th we would see like a failed kessel run because that's scary because there's yeah. options it's like you either get thrown out of it and survive, or you don't survive. Like, right. end game, you know? Um, I mean, as long as you don't take Han's shortcut, you should be alright. That's true. <laughs> that's true. It's just a longer castle run. Um, I think, because I think uh, they said it was 22? Yeah. 20 yeah. A regular castle run. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, in, the, in this, like, fancy side of which, before I forget to mention this, it's interesting about the slave labor because then we see one of the slavers that Ahsoka has interacted with before. Not the same guy, but the yes. same species. And I thought that was a really cool callback. 
I don't want to. Siberian, I think. Yeah. Is what they were. Yeah. I don't want to call it a callback because it's still relevant, but it's just like there was no reaction there, but I had a reaction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. I was just like, oh, I, think that they were, I think that he was there to confirm that. Because, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you have, I think the only other really thing other than Solo that you hear anything about the Spice Mines of Kessel is C. Rubio's like, oh, we're going to be sent to the Spice Mines of Kessel. Yeah. And all this other kind of stuff. And everybody was like, okay. Yeah. Then, but like, what? you never really hear about what goes on there. And then in Solo, you see that there are people working there. You see that there are Wookiee slaves. Mm-hmm. And that's about it there. But then we're here again, and then we've got the Zygerians there, and the only thing the Zygerians deal in are slavery. Yep. So. <laughs> yep. Great times. So it's like, just in case you weren't God. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Conf- they don't want to be here. Confirmed. <laughs> yeah. The one. The one sad image of the Twilight wasn't enough. We got to show you the slaver too to confirm. Um, right. speaking of, I don't want to call this person a slaver, but they're definitely ignoring. Um, or approving of. So uh, the person for this episode, so Trace was episode five. This episode I want to not necessarily focus on, but mention Kanash Locke, um, the red-skinned Twi'lek male. He was the major domo to King Yoruba, who we don't actually get to see. Um, And then he, like, negotiates the deal. He's the negotiator, basically. Um, To transport the spice to Marg Krim of the Pike Syndicate. So that will be our next little person to talk about in episode seven. Um, but episode six, I want to just mention Kanash Locke. I like to throw in that little character chat there. I definitely got like, um, poser vibes from him. Um, poser in the fact that like for a minute I was like, is he actually the King? And he's just posing as his own major domo. He's like Dwight Schrute to Michael. (laughs) (laughs) That's so fitting (laughs) for your shirt. I love that. That's so funny. Yeah, that's accurate. To the regional manager, Mm -hmm. and if if the boss showed up, all of a sudden you'd see his true colors. Right. Yeah, he was trying to act like a badass, and he wasn't. (laughs) Um, I think that's it for him. Uh, and oh, I forgot to mention this, but I think this kind of all happens as this is happening, so still relevant. But when Ahsoka says, like, this is the Kessel from the stories, um, I, that really hit me, because obviously Solo, you know? And I was just, I was just thinking about, like, what stories, is it spice-based stories? Are they, like, Han Solo-based stories? Like, what's up, you know? Um, because at that point, what, Han's not even relevant he would have he would have been a kid right i don't know if he would have been born or not yet yeah Uh, he might have been like small during the time of the empire yeah yeah so yeah he might have been itty bitty if he was yeah so it's just like what what stories you know right um okay we went to sleep it's it's the infamy of the the pike syndicate almost because she knows who they are yeah she knows where spice comes from and what it can do to people yeah but that's about it that's it and so yeah so I wonder if the stories maybe she's referring to are uh, the ones from the Jedi Temple. Oh, uh, yeah. That's true. That is true. So we come to the end of this one. We see slavery, and then we meet Marg Krim, who is the leader of the Pike Syndicate. Um, and they talk about going to, or they have to go to Obadiah. Uh, do we know if that name has any relevance? You smiled as if it did. Okay, I was it's like... the home planet, home planet of the Pikes. Okay, Obadiah. I was like, oh, God, do I not know another thing? <laughs> 
So that was nice to, um, honestly, when I read Obadiah, I was just, like, thinking about all of, like, the old westerns that probably had people named Obadiah in it, so. That's why I was like, that sounds like it would have a meaning behind it. (laughs) Um, But that was the end of episode six. Um, Lots of, like, sub-meaty things. Not necessarily, like, meat to the story. Just meat to the meaning of Star Wars fans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, episode seven is called Dangerous Debt. Um, and then the quote for that one is who you were does not have to define who you are. Um, I would say for these episodes in particular, that's very obvious of a trend. Um, because Ahsoka is trying to create a second self, um, and it doesn't have to define who she, like, her Jedi past doesn't have to define who she currently is. And she's trying to make sure it is that way. Um, but I think at the same time, there's got to be a quote following up from this that's, like, acceptance is also good. Like, I want to see when that quote comes in. Hopefully it'll just be the next episode. Um, all of it seems to be about find, uh, finding yourself. Yeah. All the quotes ahead of these. I mean, essentially that's what we're seeing Ahsoka do is mm-hmm. to discover herself find out who she is apart from the order because it's the only life she's ever known and to, to take that step and to be a commoner basically mm-hmm. a, a yeah. normal person it, it's strange and we even see though that she really can't because she still accesses the force a lot yeah. especially <laughs> and, this like, episode every time she did I was like girl you better get caught <laughs> that's what I'm saying ah yeah i had that thought so many times and i was just like i literally in my notes you can see where my brain was um not to jump ahead but i literally like had a okay did she cut herself off yet no because she talked to anakin but maybe she cut herself off after that no but this you know like it was just like my brain is like all of these notes um which well, we'll, yeah, we'll get she there. ever did cut herself off because um I think that I think she stayed connected only to try to stay connected to Anakin. I think so, and I think to to uh, find herself, she only because I'm reading the book currently, so only to like help level herself. She meditates a lot in the book, so I guess that that would be her like one connection instead of like fighting connection and battle connection and strength. It's mostly like mental. Mm-hmm. Like, let me just like stay level and not lose myself right. by cutting myself off. Has a, a- I don't think she has a problem with the Force, per se. It no. was just that she knew that the Order was not where she should be. Yeah. Um, not not to the effect of, like, how Dooku left it, because he was like, nah, bump y'all, I got a planet now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> exactly. I think for this quote, too, uh, Star Wars and real world, it's pretty self-explanatory, so we don't have to necessarily talk about specific things. Um, but we do move into... <clears throat> kind of a relevant to that quote um, because then we learn the story of Rafa and Trace's parents um, and they talk about she's like oh well there was a prison break and this gangster named Zero and then there's this red-eyed guy so we know that's Cad Bane and he blasted an engine and so all of this is playing in our heads all of it is playing in Ahsoka's head and we're just like oh god okay 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 and it's to me it didn't hit me until literally right now that this is so recent. Mm-hmm. I thought that they lost their parents when they were kids. 
this did not happen when they were kids and i don't know why it didn't register with me until literally right now when i was thinking about it out loud yeah. <laughs> i was about to say maybe within a couple years if yeah. that yeah yeah like whoa well and, and that whole story kind of forces us to kind of think of the inner the the consequences of the actions of the Jedi because we see oh, yeah. all these heroics and stuff. I remember that episode. I was like, wow, this is cool. I don't know. Some good stuff. And you don't, you don't think uh, that their actions have consequences to those around them that mm-hmm. don't have that kind of power. Yeah. Who aren't able to do those things. Who aren't able to save themselves <laughs> under the guise of Republic or Jedi business. Mm-hmm. And we almost, because the rest of Clone Wars forces us to kind of follow the stage of these heroes and these these people who are, are above normal society and normalcy and everything, and now we see directly how their actions affected someone. Yeah. So this cool, cool fight spiraling down the portal, to us, it deplives. And it, it may, I think even Ahsoka at that point realizes for the first time that, I mean, I'm sure she knew her actions had consequences, Granted that she was literally on trial for murder not long before this. Right, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, but at the same time, I, I don't think she ever no, noticed it to that effect. It yeah. It's more of, here's point A, I need to get point B, here's the objective. We're getting the objective, not what happens in between. Yeah. So I thought that that was interesting. And I, I feel like, like that's such a Jedi wall, you know, mm-hmm. to just have that up because they're like, well... These are the ideals we follow. If this doesn't align with that ideal, we got we can either go around it or not do it at all, um, and like get the job done. End of story. So like, protect our public. Okay, but like, what else? You know, it's like there's so many other things. There's slavery, which is like, it's so interesting to think about Anakin's story. So currently, I don't want to spoil this for myself or for anybody else, but like currently I'm writing a book about what had hap- what would have happened if Anakin hadn't turned to the dark side, if Anakin and Padme had become parents. And so I'm thinking of all of that and I'm like, what if he had kind of transformed the Jedi Order or what if he left the Jedi Order simply because he realized those things, you know? He would be like, well, we need to step in because of slavery. Not because we're here to capture or to help Palpatine escape. We need to stop this also happening here. You know, like, uh-huh. he had the good morals of it all without the politics in it. And it was just, like, there's also things that he had to be careful of. There's, there's, it's, it's inky, you know. Um, but somehow it makes sense to be moralistic. <laughs> and the Jedi just think they are that way when they definitely have their issues. Um, well, even when Rafa was talking about, or was it, I think it was Rafa or Trace, when oh, Rafa, when she was telling the story, mm-hmm. and uh, she had said that this green-skinned Jedi, which I think was uh, Ayla, is yep. what it sounded like, mm-hmm. um, even even the quote that she said to her, mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to remember exactly how it was, but it was basically I like, have it. you have it? Yeah, um, I had to make a choice, but not to worry, the Force will be with you. That sounds so disconnected. It's so bad. Like, that, that literally, that's like me walking up and busting through your house and going, all good, you'll be all right, and then walk out and leave the mess behind. Yeah. My life, and your life in shambles and stuff like that. That's so cold and disconnected. Mm-hmm. It, in all honesty, to me, it kind of feels like that's where the Jedi are right now. Mm-hmm. And we're start, slowly starting to see that descent because we know that this whole season 
somehow ends up in the Siege of Mandalore. Yeah. Which, the Siege of Mandalore is literally beginning of Revenge of the Sith. So we're almost to Order 66. And with the war going on as long as it has, the, the Jedi have become capitalists. There, it's this is what I had to do. Mm-hmm. Sorry, may the force be with you. I had to make a yeah. choice, and I, I think that's so wrong. Yeah, and it's so interesting to know that we all kind of see we see such a big picture being the audience of this show, of of any Star Wars content. But like Anakin is consistently the one that says, no, we will help you after this mission is done. When they're on that planet with those little, like, monkey creatures that are like, we don't want your war here, but we're, like, a family of healers and they roll everywhere, those people. (laughs) They're like, no, 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 like, even if we bring, first of all, we don't want to bring the war to you, but even if we do, we will handle it and we will help you. And then they do. And, like, a lot of bad things happen, but they do stay to the end of that. And so I feel like those are the importance of Anakin's missions. Um... The Clone Wars. Anakin has always been one of my favorite characters. And people are always like, who's your favorite light side character? And I'm like, Anakin Skywalker. And they're like, that's not light side. And I'm like, bet. Fight me. Yeah. (laughs) So all of these things, like, always just give me more bullet points to put under why I love Anakin Skywalker. Um, And it shows you kind of the epicenter of the the breakdown of the Jedi, too. Because you've got Anakin that they believe feels too much Mm -hmm. and, and cares too much. And he's too emotional. But he's the one helping people pick up their lives and truly helping people from planet to planet when things go wrong. He teaches Ahsoka the same thing. Obi-Wan is torn between, yes, my Padawan or my former Padawan is right, but I have to uphold what the council says mm-hmm. and things like that. So he's kind of the middle. He, he's the one that's like, well, hold on. He's almost the mediator between the two. Yeah. Of, I, I get that Anakin's unorthodox. However... This is what he brought to light. This is how he fixed this. So trust him. It's fine. Because you even see in the first few episodes where Mace immediately doubts Anakin. He's like, hey, he said that more is incoming. Well, yeah. Anakin's probably got the harder parts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so even Obi-Wan has that kind of blind trust in him now where he's like, look, I've been around long enough. His stuff works. It, yeah. it happens. So just go with it and everything. But then you have the actual Orthodox Jedi who are just unwilling to see any other point of view whatsoever. Yeah. To, um, to, to the point of that disconnect. Uh, well, I had to make a choice. Sorry, I killed your parents. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's just yeah. like, you kidding me right now? <laughs> yeah, I cannot. So you almost see the, the phases of how the Jedi just just deteriorate. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they were killing themselves before Palpatine ever enacted Order 66. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I... Oh, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, So we already kind of talked about this briefly, but letting Ahsoka's force show. Um, So my thoughts that I literally wrote, I want to read it so you guys feel what I was feeling. But I said, personally, I feel like it would be hard to not use my force powers. And then I said, oh, but maybe like after Anakin talked to her, she was like, okay, I need to like stop interacting with the force. And then I guess talk to her is loose. Mentally felt her being. (laughs) Um, and then I was like, oh, did she cut herself off? And then I was like, no, because, like, I don't know. But also, like, she can't just be using it willy-nilly to fight. And then, boom, she uses it willy-nilly to start helping things. And I guess that's a also a loose term. Like, she's not necessarily, like, pushing everybody around and, like, showing off. But, like, yeah, yeah. And, uh, 
they get out of the cell and like she's got good lies to follow up with that um but she saved trace from falling Mm-hmm. And they didn't question that one, but they questioned when she jumped. And I was just like, All right. <laughs> y'all really got to, like, open your eyes here. Um, but, Trace, you are double jump. <laughs> yeah, literally. I, I just cannot. But also at the same time, I feel like watching this adventure, I'm only focused on Ahsoka. Which I guess is fair, but also so unfair that I don't like Trace and Rafa enough to care about what's going on with them. <laughs> You're right, because that's the thing is like, I don't I don't really feel like I have any kind of emotional connection to them. Yeah. I feel bad for them, yeah. for what happened to the Jedi. But in all honesty, I feel that the that the lack of emotional connection with them is intentional. Yes, because it's almost like they're there to kind of this is the world that Ahsoka's entered into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're she just didn't propelling her. How her con- her actions create consequences and mm-hmm. these are the consequences of the jedi just rampantly around mm-hmm. and everything and it's it's one side of it yeah it's a side of the story that she never was there to see mm-hmm. she wasn't there to clean up the scene once mm-hmm. everything was done and i always think and they they did it yeah it. i always but think about that like watching marvel movies i'm like all right well who's cleaning this up like who's paying exactly. to fix new york and i don't ever I think about that in star wars <laughs> But I like I always think about it in Marvel, and I think it's because I see like tangible buildings that actually exist in the world, you know. Um, but I'm always just like, okay, but like help them. Right. <laughs> you can't just be exactly. defeating the aliens and being like, all right. And like I get that that's hard. They couldn't have done it themselves. <laughs> Everybody would be dead if the aliens were successful and you guys didn't exist. But Tony Stark, you're so rich. Help fix the street instead of building your building taller. <laughs> You know. Oh, God. Okay. Mini rant over. Um, It's it's like what they say in the world. The powerful opponents attract powerful uh, villains. Yeah. Power attracts power. It happens. Literally, their existence is what brings them there. Yeah. Same thing with the Jedi. Yeah. Literally, the desire to oppose the Jedi is what continues to make the Jedi fight. Yeah. So, yeah. That's so smart. Yeah. The way that you said that made me just, like, epiphany. Um, So the next part um, that we kind of transition into is a Mandalorian just popping in there, just being like, what's up, it's me, my hood's up, so you don't really know me, but here I am with my helmet shining in the light. Um, Do you, first glance, first Mandalorian, do you know who that is? Um, I can't remember which one showed up first, but I think that the center one is Bo-Katan. Okay, great. I was having um, the same thoughts, but I didn't want to be wrong. Yeah, because of the blue. Well, now, I mean, it could it could not be, because, I mean, the other Death Watch ones were uh, blue as well, but I think it was Bo-Katan. That's what, that was my first thought, was Bo-Katan was the first one that we saw, but I didn't know when all three showed up. I was like, well, are they all three Death Watch with different symbols on their helmets? Like... Or are they none of them Death, Death Watch and they're just Mandalorians that are like, what's good? We're friends. Yeah. They are all they women. Yeah. Yeah, and they they're all... Like yeah. They're all women, which I think is interesting. Um, I don't know why I think that's interesting. But I feel like I think it's interesting because it helps me try to deduce who they are, but I don't know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then she says, 
Huh? Sounded like I'm sure it's wishful thinking and it's not it at all. But I thought the other one that was talking to Bo, mm-hmm. uh, if that is Bo, she sounded like the armorer. Wow, I'm so glad I'm not having these thoughts by myself. I literally thought the same thing. I was like, and I always, I always second guess myself on things like the Mandalorians because I know the least about them. And I think it's because there's so many of them, first of all, (laughs) but I know the least about them. And so I'm just like, oh, well, like, it's just me imagining things because they're wearing helmets and they're women, you know, so that and that could totally be true. Yeah, but I'm also like, what if I didn't look hard enough? What if it is her, you know? Like, I'm just getting on to myself about it. She says that she possibly met Ahsoka on Karlak. Do you know what she's talking about? I don't recognize that planet name. Uh, oh, right. That may have been... Well, no. Because the only time I can think of that she met the Mandalorians or anything would have been when she was there protecting Corgi. Or Corky. Corky. Who's name? Corky? Yeah. Who is that? Uh, the nephew of uh, uh, Satine. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. So, I think that that was the last time she was there. So, she did meet them when she was cap. Her and Corky were captured on Concord Dawn. Ah. Uh, Maybe that's what she's talking about? I'm not sure. But yeah. th- that may be another story. Yeah, exactly. I go- I'm jumping around in time right now. Yeah, I pulled up Carlac really quick to see if it was familiar at all. If you pull it up after the show, or even now, it's pretty, it's gorgeous. Um, but it says Carlac was a peaceful, snow-covered planet in the Outer Rim, um, inhabited by members of the Ming-Po culture uh, that existed on the planet during the Clone Wars, and then the village was burned to the ground by Death Watch. Oh. So. Wow. Yeah, I don't know what that's all about. Um... But that's terrible. Yeah, yeah, so now I'm just like, what do you mean you met her on Carlac? What happened? Like, are they there to fight you guys? Were you part of Death Watch? Something awful happened, and I'm guessing yeah. that they were not on the same team. Right, exactly. Exactly what I'm saying. Um, and then before we move on to another random thing that I... Well, these are two very random things, so we're just going to go with it. Um, for this episode, I am always, like I said, want to talk about a character from each episode. This one I was going to do Marg Krim. Um, he's just kind of here and there in this episode. He's in the beginning and then in the end. So, um, he's, and in a hollow. <laughs> um, but he is the, wow. Well, the way that the Wikipedia says it is illustrious imperator. <laughs> um, that's how he's addressed. <laughs> he's, right. yeah, a powerful member of the Pike Syndicate during Clone Wars. Um, the husband of Tezka Krim and the father of two children, um, so that's cool, I guess. <laughs> um, but it's interesting to think about, so the reason that I do these character things is because it's interesting to think about them more than just their episode, you know, or more than just their moments. And he has like a wife and kids. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and I, I guess that. yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, what are they doing? Where are they? Huh. What do they get to do while all this is going on? Do they know that you're out here killing people? Probably, but still. <laughs> um, That's kind of what fights do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, it's such an interesting thought, which is why I love doing that. It's also funny to know that he has a lackey as well. So, like, he's not there. He's on the hollow. Is he at home with his wife and kids? Right. <laughs> he's working What's going that. on here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Yeah, just like all of us. Wow. Oh my god. Um, and then the other one random thing that I notice is in the, in the speeder. Um, first of all, same land speeder. Well, I don't want to say same. Similar designed, very similar designed land speeder. Um, T sixteen, T seventeen, whatever, whatever. Uh, uh, Luke had. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a ton of them, but there's this, yeah. the one species is driving that Ahsoka and all of them kind of jump into, and it's the same species that screams out in Phantom Menace, I think. Oh, yeah. And he does, the, yeah, and he does the same scream, and I was like, are we on Tatooine? What's up? I got really excited for no reason, but it was fun. There, there were two things I noticed in there, too. Um, so, two of the prisoners. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed it, but did you notice the little uh, snaggle tooth that was in blue when they were no. being taken to prison? No. So, there, there was a... It's a character from the cantina. Okay. But but technically not. Uh, he, that character design is after a Kenner toy. Also, cool. the Ithorian, the hammerhead-looking yeah. one, that yeah. they, they let go. Mm-hmm. He is directly designed after a Kenner toy. That's like, so cool! He literally is the outfit, the way he looks, that's a Kenner toy. That's so cool! Oh, I love that. <laughs> See, I don't know anything about the Kenner toys. I kind of know Black Series stuff, but, like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to visualize that with a toy. You know what I mean? That's so cool. I, I love oh. the toys that made us, the Star Wars stuff. Oh, yeah. I've watched it so many times. So. I do need to watch so, that. It's so great. It'll make you cry. Oh, great. <laughs> Are we surprised? um well that's really it danny do you have any thoughts on that we're kind of we're left on a cliffhanger because hopefully we'll get one more episode to kind of close out that little arc or her arc will just keep going and it'll be everybody together at some point um do you have any final thoughts on those three episodes i think things are starting to come together um i mean they've been nice Uh, i can see where some people would be upset with it and stuff but the thing is is that it's it's dave filoni's storytelling it's how he always has been, so there's no reason to think that he would be any other way otherwise. Yeah, you know? that's true. Um, anytime it feels like a filler episode, it's not. Mm-hmm. And Filoni has proven that over and over again, even with the Clone Wars. Like, I mean, we thought Zero and um, uh, what is the Rebecca's favorite character? Sai Snoodles. <laughs> yeah, Sai Snoodles. We thought that was a, a side thing and all this other kind of stuff, but it all came back around to mm-hmm. Zero's arc and all this other kind of stuff. He is like, very good at there, that. That's true. Yeah. There, there, there was a purpose for it. And, mm-hmm. and I think in all honesty, there's some way Trace and Rafa are going to come back into play or, or something like that. Or maybe the, their whole point was literally us seeing the other side of, of not being a Jedi, of mm-hmm. not being a person of privilege during that time, whether that be part of the Republic, the topsiders as they called them, mm-hmm. or, or the Jedi. We're seeing the people who are basically reaping the consequences of their endless war. And they don't see the Jedi as humans. And I think that's a cooler perspective than anything, the, the whole morality around it. Because yeah. Rogue One brought that kind of style in first, where it made you start thinking. Because, like, I mean, we had a rebel literally within, I don't know, 20 minutes of the movie kill another person. Like, he's supposed to be the good guy, and he shoots a guy because he can't climb out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, it, it question it kind of puts gray all over the, the the dark side of the light, the good and the bad. Is that there's that gray area that most of these characters operate in, and it's all in how they justify it. Like Ayla Sakura, it's all in how she justified that. Literally, these 
these people's parents got killed because of what they did. And she's like, I had to make a choice. Well, great. Bye. <laughs> you took my choice away, so thanks. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. So it shows the arrogance of the Jedi, and it, I don't know. I like I like seeing this because yeah. you, you don't necessarily see the uh, the the more clear downturn in the movies. You just see it start to happen. Yeah. But with this, you're seeing the slow decay of the order where they don't know what the heck they're doing. They, they have no idea. They're literally faking it until they make it. And instead of so instead of owning up to what's going on, they're like, you know what? Nah. We're just gonna keep on going until yeah. it's all over with and then we'll be the heroes in the end. Yeah. Which is not a hero. No. At all. And we just kind of as the audience were so when you're not invested, you're just watching, you just kind of also are going with it and then you sit down and you watch things like Clone Wars and then you're like, Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Like well, I wouldn't have the heroes. Yeah. Who our heroes are in the movie and they're larger than life. They're mm-hmm. super powered, and they're awesome and amazing, and all this other kind of stuff. Just like we were talking about with the Marvel movies, mm-hmm. same kind of thing. Who's left to clean up the mess? Who's yeah. left to actually have to deal with what happens? Yeah, and, and everything. And and I we got to see that so far in this arc of the, the the cause and effect of what the Jedi are doing and the carelessness and the arrogance of the Jedi. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it all it all makes me care about Ahsoka so much more. Like I've already, she beca- she was a very much a like k- ideal character development for me, um, because I did not like her as Snips or I guess as early Snips, um, which is I know a very popular opinion. I would say like a lot. It's mostly something people are like, oh yeah, same. Um, yeah. And that I mean that kind of stinks, but at the same time, like I didn't like teenage me. You know, <laughs> like I. I was very similar in in real world scenario to Snips Ahsoka, um, and I do like who I'm growing into being. And every every time that I see one of her adventures or learn something about her, um, or even just like look at Ashley Eckstein, <laughs> I'm I appreciate her more and more and deeper and deeper. And I'm hoping that I know that like Ahsoka's Dave Filoni's little baby, so. Um, I know that this is going to happen, but also I'm hoping that, like, her, what we see in this season is just going to, like, go down in history as one of the best Star Wars stories, I think. And that's what I'm hoping to see. And this is, like... I'm hoping for that, too. Yeah. This is, like, my... These episodes that I'm kind of disliking are, like, minute compared to what her story is, you know? So I just got to keep telling myself that. <laughs> well, in, in just like how I, I reserved full judgment of the sequel trilogy till all of it was out, same thing with this one. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm reserving, I want to see the whole story before I finally decide, you know what? Nah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would rather see it play out. And in all honesty, the way that, because I like when Filoni questions the morality of it and everything. Not necessarily saying, hey, the Jedi are bad or good or anything like that. It's his whole thing has been the Jedi are people yeah. and they make mistakes and you see how they deal with those mistakes and it can owns up to them most of the time. Yeah. Um, he is, he's true to himself and the same thing with Obi-Wan and Ahsoka, but it's like they live in a world of pretenders and they have to hold up this Jedi name, this, this very presidential title of, mm-hmm. Oh, well this is how I'm going to be. And no one can see me. Otherwise no one can see me stumble. Whereas Yoda says the greatest teacher of failure is. So, and, yeah. that, and that's where we're seeing that descent and that, that crumble between them. I don't know. That's interesting to me. No, it is. is. Yeah, so. Absolutely. 
Um, wow. Well, I think that's it. That that definitely summarizes, I think, both of our feelings pretty good, pretty well. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, while it's not an overly exciting arc, there's a lot of, like, small, fun things, and then, like, very deep, meaningful things, and that's what Clone Wars, to me, is here for. Um, so once again, thank you, Danny, for joining me today. Uh, would you okay. like to tell the people where they can find you personally, since you're going to kind of be back and forth? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you can still find everything on uh, Kessler Weekly. I'm still kind of around. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll, I'll he will never leave us. Yeah. No, I, never leave I glared at him deeply. I wish everybody could have seen that. <laughs> Uh, but no, you can still find everything um, from me and, and, and the rest of our crew um, mm-hmm. at com or our socials um, at Kessler Weekly on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, um, as well as our weekly shows. Uh, well, our yeah, we have our weekly main channels that yes. Giant's taken over as well, yes. um, as, as well as our Twitch stream that we're, I'm, gonna, I'm starting to kind of kick up a little. We're trying yeah, to I love those. Um, Twitch.tv slash Weekly. Um, so yeah, we're making making strides, doing yeah. things. Yeah, making lots of waves. I like it, and all of the little things that we're put putting our dipping our toes into. It's fun. Um, you can find me personally at C Jerica on Instagram or C Jerica ninety five on Twitter. Um, my blog is still not consistent. I apologize to everyone. <laughs> um, but I do have Star Wars Sunday posts on CheyenneHoover.wordpress.com. Slowly, actually getting rebranded into the Kyber Crystal. Um, which I think is going to be cool. So uh, we'll, you guys will be around for that rebranding. I actually just got some art commissioned for that as well. So that's going to be awesome. Yay. Stick around for that. Um, like Danny said, all of our at Kessel Run Weekly socials are open and ready for conversation and also just to keep up to date with all of our things. So thank you all so much for listening. Come back next week for season two episodes since we're going to be jumping around a little bit. Um, and thank you so much again. May the force be with you. Always.